So a week, week and a half ago, I went on a trip. We went to Estes Park, Colorado. Anybody been there? A couple of you guys are with us in here. Okay, so we went on this trip, and I took, uh, we took all of our uh, single parent families from across our church. Okay, so we had a good group of people, but I also brought Rebecca Mackey, who was here tonight, right? Did I, did I get that? And then also Aldera, who is uh, also one of our drummers. She's not here tonight. I took them with us, and they did some music, and they played with the kids while I got to talk to the parents. So we get down there. We're on this trip. We're having a good time. Everything's looking good. And then we're getting toward the last day of the trip, and uh, Rebecca and Aldera come up, and they say, hey, we want to go on a hike with you. And I thought, man, a hike, I'm a man, I can handle this, no problem, put the first picture up. So this was the hike. Um, it's this little mountain kind of in the background there. And I thought, well, I mean, that looks nice. I'm gonna be honest, it's not that exciting because I'm not really a hiker, but I thought, oh, that'll be fun, we'll bond together. And they told us that there's Bible verses along the path all the way up the hill, so I thought, this is gonna be great. But uh, then they said the kicker, and the kicker was, hey, we wanna leave at 4 a.m., so that we can see the sunrise, right? They didn't wanna walk up with the sunrise. They wanted to be waiting for the sunrise. And in Colorado, the sun comes up way earlier than it does here. And so I instantly looked at that in my mind and thought, that picture, 4 a.m., don't go together, not gonna do it. And then they said, no, no, listen, at the top of the hill is the verse that you guys have been teaching on this whole week, and so you gotta go. And I felt like the Lord just said, and yes, you do. And so we got, and I, and I gotta tell you, I was thinking in my mind, there's nothing, there's nothing that could make this worth getting up at 4 a.m. I mean, I just don't see how it's possible. But we did, we got up 4 a.m., we started, was the first one up, we started the journey, we drove halfway, that's okay, don't worry about that part, and we did the hike, and when we got to the top, this is what we saw. That's from my iPhone. Now, we got up there, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I felt a little bad, because this was awesome. And every shot we took, every picture we took, every view that we had, right in the middle there is the campground that we were, if you can look right dead in the center down at the bottom. It was a absolutely spectacular sight, and it was worth every ounce of energy and effort and lack of sleep that I had. What's really funny is later that night, my 8 p.m. airplane ride got delayed and I got home at 3 a.m., but that's okay because it was worth it to make it to the top of the mountain and to get to see a view that you wouldn't see anywhere else. Now, why would I say that to you? Because here's the thing. I'm hoping and I'm praying that tonight and as we unveil this series that we'll have an experience kind of like that. Sometimes when we come to a book of the Bible, we can look at it and we can go, man, maybe there's something good in there, but I'm not sure. There's a lot. And then we even start reading a little bit and you go, man, this is overwhelming. I don't understand the names and the people. And we kind of lose interest. And sometimes it looks like I felt on the bottom of that hill looking up at a mountain going, I don't know if it's worth the climb. Don't insert Miley Cyrus. <laughs> but the truth is, when we take some time to open up God's word, here's what never fails. He finds a way to not just speak to us, but to shape us and to mold us in the men and the women that he is calling us 
to be. And so I have high hopes, and I hope that you will come in like I did at 4 a.m. just going, I don't know about this, but let's do it because I think God's got something special for us in store. Now, we're studying the book of Joshua. We're calling this series Inheritance, and we're looking at tribes, conquests, and triumphs. We're going to cover a lot of ground in this series. We're going to look at a bunch. If you're a dude, this is your book because it's like war. If you're a female, I didn't think about that part, so next week I'll have something for you. Okay? No, I'm just kidding. It's all going to be great, but it is definitely a book about war, conquest, trials, but we are going to learn a lot through it. Now, we're, we're calling this an in-depth study of the book of Joshua, and I want to camp out here for just a second because this is important. When we say an in-depth study, it doesn't mean we're going to cover everything. Of course, that's impossible, but our hope is that we would look at the Bible deeper than just grazing over the Scripture, and here's why. Here's why. The Bible and how it's seen, the church, it's changing. It is changing before our eyes. We are watching uh, churches, and this isn't a knock, we're just, just talking blanket statement of the faith. We're watching churches focus less and less on the Bible and more and more about encouragement and life application and how can we live a better life now. We are seeing people come out of high school and they have no idea what to do with this thing. They remember a few verses that are on a coffee mug or, or something like that, but the truth is if they were to really say, where have you dug in? Where have you seen God speak to you in the scriptures recently? They, I, I, don't, I remember the sermon that I heard the other day. So what's happening is we're losing a passion, we're losing knowledge about the Bible, and here's the biggest thing. Because we don't have a passion and a knowledge for the Bible, we are losing the trust and the confidence in the Word of God. So what happens? Some of you, or maybe some of you are heading back to college soon, or you're going for the first time. And you're going to get there, and I guarantee you, even at a Christian school, there will be some professor and he's waiting for a little chump just like you. Show up to my class and tell me there's a God and watch as I try to prove you wrong. And what happens is if you and I don't have a deep understanding and a trust and a confidence in the word of God, they might be able to say a few things that honestly could be fixed, could be proven inaccurate, but because you didn't know, you don't have that confidence in the word. As soon as they say it, you run the risk of just turning away from it all. And I can tell you, I can tell you student after student, that have left our church, people I know, other churches, they get to college and they walk away from it all. And I believe a big part, not the only part, but a big part is that they just don't have a confidence in the word of God and they don't see it as their absolute truth. And this, my friends, is a problem. And so we're hoping and praying that we can do something that will encourage you and inspire you to hold on to the word. That was my introduction, I should move faster. Let's recap what has happened up to this point in the book of Joshua. There's the people of Israel. We talked about them a lot when we did our Exodus study not too long ago, which is one of my favorites, by the way. Then we have a guy named Moses. Then we have a guy named Joshua, all right? And then we're gonna have the promised land. These are kind of the key elements we're gonna learn about over the next few weeks, but I wanna lay them all in front of you. Now, here's a little timeline of what set us up, sets us up to this moment. First, Genesis 15, really Genesis 12 through 16, it talks about a promise made to Abraham that he's going to be the father of what? 
Some of you know the song, some of you knew that. That's okay either way. All right, then we have Exodus 1 through 8. God calls and prepares Moses from a little boy all the way up through his time in Egypt to prepare him for this journey to carry the people of Israel to the promised land, okay? And then 7 through 19, we saw the 10 plagues. We saw the parting of the Red Sea. And then we also saw them wandering around in the wilderness for about 40 years. This is all stuff we covered in the series we did not that long ago, but I want to recap it quickly. So here we are, Moses has led these people out of captivity, out of slavery for generations they've been in slavery. He's now taking them on a journey, moving them toward the promised land. And then along the way we get the 10 commandments, we get a little more journeying, a little more traveling, and we come up to this point where Moses is going to stand face to face with the promised land. Now here's the key that sets us up for Joshua. Moses has been the leader and the only leader the people of Israel have ever known. Okay, we gotta wrap our mind around that because that narrates everything that's about to happen. Moses is the only leader the people of Israel have ever known other than Pharaoh when they were in slavery. Moses had the vision from God, Moses stood up to Pharaoh, and Moses took them out and moved them toward the promised land. So what we're about to see, a change in leadership, is the first change they've ever experienced. Moses is the only guy they've ever known. Okay, are you ready? Let's do this. Here we go. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy 3. I was going to say Joshua. Deuteronomy 3, that's where we're going to start. And here's, as you turn there, it's on the screen too. You can look on someone next to you if you want to find a date. It's a great way. Now, what's happening at this point is Moses is pleading before God, pleading before God for permission to lead the people of Israel. He's led them to the promised land. He can see it. He's asking for permission to take them through the Jordan River into the promised land. This was his call, this was his mission, and so he's pleading with God. Now he's pleading with God because he had an incident back in Numbers where he made a mistake. And God told him, you're you're gonna lead him to the land, but you're not gonna lead him in it. And here is Moses pleading one last time. Now let's watch what he says. Deuteronomy 3, verse 27, listen to this. Go up, this is to Moses, go up to the top of Pizeh and lift up your eyes westward, northward, southward, and eastward, and look at it with your eyes. So what does he say? I want you to look everywhere. Everybody got it? I want you to see everything that's in front of you, the promised land that you've been waiting for, that you've been leading the people to. I want you to look at it, and then look what he says. For you shall not go over this Jordan. Now, isn't that awesome? He led them all the way to this point. He's the only leader they've ever known. Here it is, standing in front of them. This is amazing. And God says, no. Can you imagine living your whole life, having a calling, leading up to this very moment, and there it is, standing face to face, and you are told that you can't have it. Can you imagine what he was feeling? Here's the truth, and here's what I want you to hear this. This is so important. This life is bigger than you, it started before you, and it's gonna go on after you. You feeling pumped up right now? Man, this is great. I got something even better. You ready for this? God buries his people, but his plans go on. God buries his workers, 
but his work goes on. Some of you are like, this place is awesome. Really digging this. This is legit. I've I've been looking for this place my whole life. That's the truth, guys. Sometimes, most of the time, what we're gonna experience is gonna move far beyond us, and we gotta be careful we don't get too caught up in it. Then look at verse 28. He says, but I want you to charge Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he shall go over at the head of this people, and he shall put them in the possession of the land that you shall see. All these years, Moses thought it would be him, but here he is, and what happens? Moses has to say, hey man, it's not me, it's you. You, Joshua, you're the guy. You are the one that's going to get to take the mantle. Can you imagine what Moses was feeling? How exciting, this is so great. I've been preparing for this moment, I've been leading the people to this moment, I've been dealing with them in the wilderness, and yet I have to hand it off, and the truth is, this is life. Okay, now let's jump in to five things, if you wanna take notes, this is great. Five things every great leader knows. I wanna look at this, as we look at how God was preparing Joshua all along, I want us to see some elements that are gonna be important for us. Some of you are in college right now, and you're going, okay, I don't really lead very much. Others of you are already in the business world. Some of you are getting ready for a promotion. This is part of the getting ready process. These are things that I want you to know that I think are super important and we're gonna use them from the life of Joshua. Let's look at the first one. Great leaders know prep time matters. Great leaders know that prep time matters. You ever thought about this? Listen to what happens in our verses. In Numbers eleven twenty eight. at this point, just look on the screen and write it down. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth. Let's just stop there. Now we know through studying the Old Testament, we put this together, that Joshua was Moses' servant, you ready for this? For 40 years. Is anybody 40 in this room? Don't raise your hands, okay. 40 years, 40 years he was his assistant. Some of you haven't even been born live 20 yet. Okay, you're like, I'm almost there. Tomorrow's my birthday, congratulations. Okay, listen, 40 years of following and assisting one man from his youth. What a job. Can you imagine carrying all this stuff, walking up the mountain, doing everything he said? Why? Because that's what assistant does, right? The things that you don't wanna do. I don't know if that's how you properly say that, but that's what it's like. And so for 40 years, Joshua's been following Moses, trusting Moses, and the truth is, we're like, we hate prepping, can we all just be honest? We don't like prepping. If you're a sports player, okay, maybe you play, you, say you play volleyball, right? You love to play the game, but the prep part stinks, right? The private lessons and you're working so hard you can't even think straight, and then you gotta show up to school and you gotta do all these things. If you're playing sports, the prep time isn't fun, but oh, it's necessary so that you can win. Let's talk about jobs. Some of us are gonna have to take some internships. Oh, that's a fun word, right? Unless it's at Google, that might be cool, I don't know, right? Internships, low-level positions, you gotta start somewhere and work your way up, but many of us wanna just be right at the top, right? That's our entitled generation, that's another sermon for another day. The truth is we don't wanna wait. We wanna step right in, we wanna do this right now, but we have got to remember the key is what happens in the prep time. For those of you in college, this is your prep time for your future. Don't let it be your party time that blows your future. Let it be your prep time that prepares you for your future. That was free. (laughs) 
Most people, most people will spend their life in the, in the position of, of working. Some of you right now in the corporate world, listen, you will spend your life lusting after that next position instead of taking time to fulfill the one that you're in. And the very reason you won't get to the one you want is because you haven't fulfilled the one you're in. Right? Think about a car. Y'all, y'all probably don't have kids, I do, so I think about this. Uh, when you're in a car, okay, First of all, there's always more than one seat. That's just a free little community is good, walk together, life together. That's not part of the message, that was free. But here's the thing. Before you ever learn to drive, where's the first place you sit in a car? In the car seat. In the car seat, helpless. You can't do nothing, trust me. My kids do this to me every day. They are worthless in the car. They're amazing, they're beautiful, they're gonna change the world. But they are worthless in the car seat. But listen, little Kyla has gotta start in the car seat before she's ever gonna drive if daddy ever even lets her drive, all right? The truth is for all of us, we gotta remember, we gotta start somewhere and it's typically in the back. It's typically to an extent almost helpless because we're learning and we're growing, but our prep time prepares us for our time. We cannot forget this. Has anybody uh, seen this video? I'm not gonna show the whole thing, I just wanna put it up there really quick. Seen this video? Did anybody see this? Oh my goodness, I gotta explain it. Okay, cool. So this came up the other day. This, so there was a little boy at the pool and he was scared to jump off the diving board. So this 95-year-old vet got up on the diving board, cane and all, flexed his muscles, and eventually, takes a while, he's gonna make it into the pool, okay? I realize, okay, I, I guess we're gonna have to watch it. Let's just watch this unfold, okay? So here, 95 years old, okay? We thought 40 years was long. This is 95 years old. Here he is, I, I, I didn't think he was gonna make it. He does, don't worry. Here we go. Oh yeah, baby, belly flopping all. Now, all right, turn it off, turn it off. He did make it, don't worry, he made it. He had to go to the hospital, but he's okay. <laughs> what happened? What happened? The boy needed someone to go before him so that he could see that it would be done. Do you know what Moses was doing for Joshua this entire time, these 40 years? Moses was going before him. And Joshua was right there along his side, his little shadow, watching every step of the way. Why? Because Moses didn't even know it, by the way. Moses was prepping Joshua by showing him and by going before him. Man, this is, this is unbelievable. So our prep time, guys, it's so important. We gotta have eyes. Look at number two. I gotta move faster. Number two, great leaders watch and ask questions. Great leaders watch and ask questions. Then the Amalekite came and fought with Israel at Ephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with the Amalek. Sorry, verse 13, we're gonna jump ahead to end the story. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua. Did you catch this? Joshua went from a slave to a soldier. In fact, he went from a slave to a military leader. And we don't hear anything about the training, yet he stood into battle and he did what? He didn't just make it out alive, he won. How did he win? How, any of you signing up to go lead a battle without any experience? Probably not, maybe some of you crazy people in the back. Probably not. Do you know how he was ready? Do you know how he was prepared? Do you remember who Moses was? 
You remember where he started? Where did he start? In Egypt. What did he do in Egypt? He learned all the ways, all the education, including the military. In fact, they say in Egypt, Moses at one point became a general in the Egyptian army. Where did Joshua learn? He watched and he asked questions. He learned from Moses how to be a soldier so that he was ready to step in when the time came. Some of us, listen, we need to just watch other people. Watch what they're good at and learn and apply that to our life. Some of us are real good at watching what people are bad at. We'll get to that in a minute. You love watching people mess up, like, oh, you're a terrible leader, here's why. We need to start learning what people are good at and take those principles and apply it to our life. But then listen, what does it say? It said, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua. What was he doing? He, God knew that Joshua's gonna need some strength down the road. He needs to know that I, God, have got his back. And so he wanted it written down and recited over and over for Joshua so that he would remember that God's the one and the only one that's gonna walk him through this every step of the way. God is going to unveil his lessons in your life. God will unveil his lessons in your life. The question is, will you be listening? Oh, we're so busy sometimes on our phones, with our girlfriend, or our boyfriend, or our friends, or even school, our education, our sports, we're so busy that we miss that in this prep time, which is what season you're in right now, God's been talking with you, he's been trying to show you, teach you, mold for you, get you to remember the things that he's teaching you. Listen, what's happening in your families right now, whether it's good or bad, these are lessons for you. I grew up in a divorce home and I watched family fall apart. My wife grew up one of seven children and they're still married happily to this day. We had two different lessons happening, but both were helpful. So we've gotta pay attention because God's teaching us, God's training us, let's move on. Great leaders have a strong core, they have strong core values. Exodus 24 says this, the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablet of stone with the law and the commandment, this is the 10 commandments which I have written for their instruction, verse 13. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up into the mountain of God. Listen, this is one of the most infamous moments in scripture. Moses goes up to the mountaintop, he meets with God, he gets the 10 commandments and guess who was there? Joshua. Joshua got to walk alongside Moses and experience something that many men for all of history would have loved to be a part of. Joshua was there. Sometimes just by the people we have access to, we get to see things and learn things that no one else might just because of the access. On our way back from Colorado, we did this cool thing where one of the guys that was leading the trip with me, his friend is Mike McIntyre. Does anybody know who this is? He's a football coach for uh, the University of Colorado at Boulder, head football coach. And so because they were friends, on the way to the airport, we took a detour and we got to go to the football facility at the University of Colorado. You can look at some of these pictures. I, I did these um, illegally, so some of them are a little shaky. This is the wall when you walk in, go to the next one. This is the tunnel right before you walk out to the field. So those are lights and TVs and all kind of, and smoke wasn't there because it was just me. But, and then you walk out, Onto the field, that's the head coach, Mike McIntyre, right there. Now, I got to see the facility, and it was absolutely breathtaking. Don't ever tell anyone I showed you all these pictures. It was incredible. 
I would have never gotten to go there if I hadn't been walking with this guy, Wes. And I hadn't been hanging out with him and he just happens to, hey, on the way back, can we make a little detour? I want to introduce you to somebody. I, I'll be honest. I'm, mm, we'll cut this later. I'll be honest. I wasn't really happy. I just want to get to the airport. I was already tired. I've been up since 4 a.m. on this dumb hike that these girls made me go on. I was exhausted. And he said, we're going to take a little detour. And I thought, okay, fine, let's do it. We get there. It was one of the most cool experience, experiences that I've ever had. Sometimes our access just gives us things that we can see and learn and experience. But here's the other thing. Listen, he said, I want Joshua I want him to hear this. And he goes up on the mountain, remember this, sorry. He goes up on the mountain, and what does he see? What does he see? The commandments being given. The commandments are gonna translate into the current Bible that he's gonna have, the Old Testament, the Torah that he's gonna have as he begins to lead these people. He watched God Write the Ten Commandments on a tablet as he watched Moses. Do you think later on, when Joshua's in the middle of a tough time, and we talk about the Bible and it's important, Joshua's in the middle of a difficult time, he has no idea what to do, and he has to trust the Bible, the Word of God, because it's the only thing that he has. Do you think he's gonna have a stronger trust because he got to see the Word of God written on a stone tablet with Moses right in front of him on the mountain of God? I think so. Man, isn't that incredible? And so all along, God was what? God was preparing his core values. He let him see. This guy, Joshua, he, he was the bomb. We're not even into his story yet. We're just learning about how he was being developed. God was working all along. Okay, two more and we're done. Great leaders learn from all experiences. Great leaders learn from all experiences. Really quickly, let me catch you up. At one point, as they're getting ready, this is back in Numbers, Moses is gonna say, okay, we need 12 people, 12 spies to go ahead, to check out the land, to make sure it's safe, see if we can cross. He sends them on this little tour, and guess who's on the tour? It was Joshua and 12 others. Joshua and Caleb, by the way, that'll be powerful later. So Joshua and these 12 cross over, they look, and what do they see? They see tons of guys everywhere. It's scary. They're not sure they can make it. They're not sure what to do. So they come back to Moses. They give this report, and 10 of the 12, not including Joshua, say absolutely no way. There is no way we can cross into this land because we will never defeat these enemies that stand in front of us. But do you remember what God said from the very beginning? I am gonna take you every step of the way. The promised land is my promise to you. I will take care of anyone that's in the way, but these 10 of the 12 come back and they say, absolutely no way. We can't do it. We can't do it. And listen to Joshua's plea. He says, this is in Numbers 14, 7, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. The land was good. And if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said what? To stone them because they stood opposed to everyone else. But what were they saying? Guys, don't you remember? God said he's gonna take care of this. What's the problem? Let's trust God and let's move forward. But the people were scared and guess what they did? They all gave in and this is what caused them to go 40 years wandering in the desert because they chose not to trust God. 
Now, why is this important? Well, there's two things. One, we have to learn from other people, but sometimes we're gonna learn from their mistakes. Sometimes the greatest lessons you're gonna experience are looking at what people did wrong and making sure you don't make the same mistake. That's a good thing. But the other lesson here, and this is important, is that we are to stay faithful and respectful no matter what. Do you think Joshua was a little upset that they didn't listen to him and now they're gonna wander for 40 years in the wilderness? I think so. I would be. I don't know about you. I would be. If you had just listened to me, guys, we, we would, if you would have just, any of y'all like, I could have been right. You should have listened, but there you go. Off on your little journey again, right? Maybe y'all know people like that. They're always right and pointing it out to you. The truth is Joshua had every right to be upset. But you know what we don't hear? We don't hear Joshua defy his leadership. He begged and he pleaded with them, but he never defied them and he never abandoned them. And can you imagine every year piling one after another, wandering in the wilderness, going, if they had just listened to me, we wouldn't be here if they had just listened to me. And he's not even in charge. He's still a servant, an assistant to Moses. What a journey. Yet he chose to stay faithful all the way through, even when they didn't listen. I want to show you something. This isn't going to be on the screen, but I want to make sure I say this. Knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge and wisdom are two different things. Knowledge, okay, is seeing or hearing something that is true and helpful. It's information. Wisdom is when we take knowledge and put it into action. So some of us have been blessed. We'll go back to the family illustration, okay? I learned what not to do from my parents who got divorced and then separated and we went through, we went through hell at times. I learned from the negative. I learned what not to do. My wife, Sarah, got to see the other side. She got to see two people stick together with seven kids. I'm not sure what they were thinking, that's okay. Seven kids, and to walk this journey together, and she got to see the positive. Both lessons were monumental, but guess what? Just because we know it doesn't make us wise until we put it into action. So some of us have a lot of knowledge. In fact, we have access to a lot of knowledge just by technology, but because we don't put it into action, we are not wise. Remember that. It's not about just knowing it. It's about living it out. And here's the thing, and and we're almost done. This idea that Joshua would walk with Moses for 40 years after they didn't listen to him. This is, it makes me think of one thing, and that's this. That greatness costs. Greatness costs. There's no free ride when it comes to greatness. There's no discount. In fact, there's no credit. Because if there were, you would miss out on the experiences that make you great. So greatness costs. Your journey to greatness, whatever that's gonna look like in your life, it is not gonna be a smooth path all the way to the top. It's gonna be quite the opposite because God wants you to be ready because greatness is expensive and it's too important to miss the experiences that make you great. Joshua was being made great for 40 years in the wilderness and not a single one of us are signing up for that but he stayed faithful and he stayed respectful. You make sure, for those of you working, that you and your families, your parents, you make sure you stay faithful and respectful, even if they don't do what you say or your idea, because you're a young guy and you're just getting started. You remember 
that when we stay respectful and faithful, that's what'll open the door for us down the road. There have been many times I've had great ideas that nobody listened to, and that's okay, because I hang on to them, I learn from them, I develop them, and guess what, down the road, it'll come back up. Did you know Underground was an example of that? Did you know that? When I first got here, I said, I wanna do this, I didn't know it was gonna be called Underground, but uh, I wanna do this, I wanna do a service. I think, I think it's important, I think we need it. But I wanted to do it at Lone Star College. I wanted to do it on a college campus because I just thought that, that just made sense. Go where, the, go where students are, let's do it. And the idea was shot down. And I didn't like it, I was upset. But the truth is, there was a better idea, which was doing it here and bringing everybody to us, which is awesome, but also there was a season of preparation that had to happen so that I could be ready to lead it. See, I wasn't ready then, and my idea wasn't quite ready, but I didn't throw a hissy, okay, maybe for a little while, but I didn't stick with the hissy fit. I stuck with it. I developed the idea, and guess what? We circle back around, and here we are nine years later still going. So sometimes, listen, sometimes greatness is gonna cost. Sometimes your idea ain't gonna be, ain't gonna be and you're gonna wanna follow, you're gonna wanna just do your own thing, and the truth is God's saying, no, 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 I need you to be patient. I need you to stay faithful, and I need you to stay respectful because nobody wants a disrespectful employee, worker, or friend, or kid. No one. But oh, when we live respectful and faithfully, what God can do. Greatness costs, the lessons are too important. This is the last one. Great leaders know their time will come. First verse of Joshua, we finally made it. Second verse. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. Now, we could, you could see how we couldn't just start there, right? We had to do some backstory. But listen to this. Do you see God kind of mincing words? Hey, Joshua, how you feeling, buddy? I'm real sorry about Moses. You know, sometimes when we lose someone, it's just, no, God says, first of all, he knows. You've been preparing all along, so don't worry about it. It's okay. And he says, I want you to get up, and I want you to lead this people, these two million plus people, and I want you to take this land. God doesn't mince words, and God doesn't wait. Here's what I want you to see from this, and this is the last point. Listen. If you do not spend your time getting ready, when God is ready to put you in play, there will be a gap. Because you didn't spend the time preparing, God calls and now you gotta get ready and then you can step into your promised land, whatever that might be. And God is saying, listen, I want you to stay getting ready to be preparing even when it doesn't look like anything's coming soon so that when it does, there isn't a gap. We can pick the story up right where we left off and keep moving. Joshua, until the very end of Deuteronomy, really had no idea he was gonna be the one. He thought it was gonna be Moses all along. But all along, God was getting him ready. And when the time came, God didn't say, all right, you got six months to prepare, buddy. No, he said, it's your turn. Get up, lead two million people, none of us are signing up for that, into the promised land. It's your time to take this land. Listen, we have got to use our time to get ready. And I just wanna say this, because um, I talked about dating at the beginning. One little dating tip here. You're welcome. Singles do this. Pretty much all of you in the room. You do this. You say, well, I'm young, 
I'm cute. I want to last so long, by the way. I'm young, and, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just enjoy my single days. And then when I get married, man, I'm going to do this God thing. And I'm going to do it right. It's going to be awesome. But while I'm single, let me just enjoy life a little bit. Just kind of explore and see what's out there. You know what happens? You might want to write this down. Here's what happens. You find someone doing the same thing. And you wonder why it falls apart. Because you were both idiots. Sorry, just kidding. No. Yeah, well, yes, but I can't say that. Okay. Because the reality is, God said, I gave you singleness as a gift so that you could be ready to find the one I have for you. We weren't going to talk about dating, but we'll do it for just a minute. But all we want to just enjoy the single life. We want to do, do all this, have fun, have fun. And then you find someone and you meet someone and God forbid you get married. And then you get down the road and you realize, oh my goodness, this was not what I thought. That's not who I thought it was, and I'm not who I thought I was. I wasn't ready. I had no strength and confidence in the word of God to endure the trials of life in a marriage, which there's a lot, and it falls apart. So it's just a picture of how this works. We have got to be using our prep time to be ready. There was a guy, you may have heard this story before, I'm not sure. There was a guy named Billy. Billy was 15 years old. 1911, hang on, it gets good. Billy was 15 years old. His dad was a tenant farmer. And his dad had big dreams that Billy would step in and take the place of dad, take the farm to the next level. Anybody got a parent with a business they want you to be the one, right? He had big dreams. My son Billy's gonna change the world. This is gonna be great, one farm at a time, okay? That was his vision. And one day Billy looks at his dad and he says, dad, I love you, um, but this isn't for me. Uh, Billy and his family were African-American. He said, I feel like our people are not being educated correctly. They're missing out on the opportunities of life because nobody cares. And I wanna help change that. And his dad was violently angry, violently opposed, wanted nothing to do with this. He just wanted his son to work in the farm. And finally, his mom steps in and says, if you will let Billy go to college, I will take his place on the farm. So Billy takes off to school, goes to university, graduates, does it with great honors. After graduation, he continues his education and he goes to the prestigious Chicago University, which at the time was as prestigious as it comes even now, right? And so he's doing his education. He finishes his degree and he decides to go for a brief visit over to India to study Gandhi. And he studies Gandhi because he notices that Gandhi was once a lawyer, he's becoming a religious and a political figure, but more importantly, he noticed how Gandhi dealt with people. It was different. It wasn't what he was used to seeing in 1911. So he flew out to India, he watched and he learned under Gandhi, and what he learned was what Gandhi had created, which was a way to peacefully protest. He brought it back to the United States. When he got back, he was appointed president of Morehouse College. This was a big accomplishment. He was the sixth one at the time. Morehouse is still around today. He took Morehouse from a small college of not much prominence to a great one through his time there. And somewhere along that journey, 
a man came, knocked on his door. He said, Billy, Mr. Billy, my son here just graduated high school early. I have taught him everything that I can teach him. I want to entrust him to you. See, along the way, Billy had become a Baptist preacher of all things on the side. And this man knocking at the door was the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church. So Billy said yes, he drops off his son. He takes his son under his wing, takes him into Morehouse College. Remember, he had graduated high school. Takes him into college, and as he's watching him work, he says, I just saw leadership and passion and vision Things I'd never seen in such a young man because he graduated early. Then he says, while he was at college, I noticed that even the older kids would follow him. And wherever he went, whatever he said, they just began to migrate to him. So he says, I just got excited and I began to pour everything I had learned, everything about silent protesting, everything about the civil rights, which he wrote a massive part of that while he was in college. And he said, I shared everything and everything and everything I could with this young Man, do you know who the young man was? Martin Luther King Jr. Here's the question. Who are you following? I hope it's God. Who are you learning from? I hope you're cautiously watching. And are you getting ready? for what God has in store for you. We're gonna see Joshua do things that are unthinkable, but it is because of what we talked about tonight. Because all along the way, God was doing work and Joshua was paying attention. Stop writing yourself off because you're too young. What God is doing in you right now, this is the difference. what we experience in our prep time, God uses to get us ready for our time.